Final Boy Status is a podcast about scary movies and the stuff that happens in them. The entire horror genre is generally frightening and disturbing. So if you're a kid, be sure to ask your parents if it's okay for you to listen. Or don't. You'd probably be cooler if you didn't ask for their permission. But then again, I won't tell you how to live your life. Also, we will be discussing spoilers during this podcast, so don't say we didn't warn you. everybody this is adam with final boy status i'm gonna be your host for the day we're joined with the usuals lanson is here and luke is here that's how true you, how are you guys doing My... <laughs> after watching this movie what a question <laughs> yeah little little bit disturbed it was definitely a, a silent ride up here i feel like <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of small talk, but yeah. that just made it more awkward. What can I say? <laughs> a little bit of confusion over Ari Aster's cultural history. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll we'll get into that. Let's not spoil things. All right. Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, we gotta save that steamy content. Yeah, save that <laughs> That's surprise. That's what the listeners are here for. And we're also um, we have the pleasure of being in the presence of. My brother, Josh Bone, who is a guest here today. How are you doing, Josh? You know, I'm fantastic. It's, a, it's an honor. It's an honor to be here, gentlemen. Thank you. Right on. That's not what you said when you got here. Well, you know, I don't know. You jumped out of your car and, you guys, and you're like, you're lucky I have nothing to do today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know. You're lucky I have this stupid wife and kid to ignore. <laughs> Luke, we want our guests to come back. Stop it. <laughs> I'm just really confused. Is this a good negative or positive experience? <laughs> Stop repeating You know, this. I say certain things but mean other things. So, you know, I don't know. Hey, we got them here, and we're only paying half a mil, so let's Yay. just... Got to be grateful. Got to be grateful. You're lucky I did it for half a mil. We, oh, we got what we got. So Got the family discount. <laughs> <laughs> if you predicted by the way we're talking about this movie, it's, it's it, was a, it was a rough ride. We are going to be talking about the movie Hereditary. Ooh. And if you're not familiar with the show... Um, it's the show where we talk about if we could survive horror movies, just like you talk about with your friends, like you're watching a scary movie and you're like, man, that character, they they should have not split up or they should have not made that stupid decision. We're here to talk about that and tell you how three, and in this case, four super average Joes, how we could survive your favorite scary movies. So average. Just so the averagest average. of yeah. average Joes. And so we're going to be doing that with Hereditary today. Um, hopefully you're watching along at home. If not, it's a uh, one to check out. But we'll get into that. Um, first up, I think uh, Luke has some general background for us. Heck yeah, I could tell you a little bit about this movie. Please, this is, of course, uh, released in 2018. This was, of course, written and directed by Ari Aster, who has gone on to write and direct uh, Midsummer, a noteworthy movie that three people in this room are okay with, and one person is not. Screw no need to movie. name names. <laughs> Get, getting wrecked. Getting wrecked right out the gate. And of course, it's starring uh, Tony Collette, who gave a pretty famous. I like. I don't want to be controversial because not a lot of people are saying this, but this might be one of the best performances of her career of of the genre. I I, I you know great performance. Yeah. I hate to make it. Cl- I know nobody out nobody out here is saying it, but she was really slept on awards wise for this role. That's a pretty hot take, Luke. We're going to get some like hate tweets for that. I, I'll, I'll do what I have to. We talked about this, Luke. We, we don't need that kind of heat right now, man. <laughs> we need to appease the audience here. <laughs> well, of course, we have Tony Collette in the leading role, uh, supported by a cast including Alex Wolf, Millie Shapiro, Ann Dowd, and Gabriel Byrne. And, you know, uh, it's great to see great to see Mr. Byrne in this movie. I've been wondering what he's been up to since Talking Heads ended, and uh, <laughs> I'm glad things are really turning around for him. Indeed. <laughs> Just a nod and a smile from Adam. I, I don't he's, know what you're talking about. I've never seen Talking Heads, so. <laughs> Nor did I know Gabriel Byrne was involved. 
you know. Oh, Mr. Burn, a famous career with Talking Heads. Uh, every album just legendary. Oh, it's a band. <laughs> this is a bit that won't last. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's let's talk about this. So uh, Ari Aster was, of course, a student at the American Film Institute, where he scripted and directed two short films. The most noteworthy being the strange thing about the Johnsons and A24 saw both of his films and was really impressed by the work that he was doing and brought him in for a meeting. Astor decided to pitch this movie. He said multiple times that basically his pitch for the movie was uh, making a family tragedy that curdles into a nightmare. He was very careful not to tell anybody in these meetings that it was a horror film. He was really careful about how he pitched the movie because he didn't want it to be perceived as a horror film right from the get-go. So A24, of course, decided to, to fund it and he got to make it. Uh, he's said that a lot of his influences were just more in more in line with family dramas than necessarily the horror genre. He really wanted to approach it as a family tragedy first and worry about like the spookiness of it kind of second. Talking about the great state of Utah where this film premiered, it was also where it was shot in February of 2017. Like, well, it began in February of 2017. I was going to say like, just the one month it was filmed. Impressive. It was actually filmed in, I think, 32 days, I read oh, somewhere. Oh, wow. So yeah. there you go. So three, it, that's actually like days, a really good production. That's a tight production schedule. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, uh, a lot of the exteriors were done at Summit County, and uh, there were some there was some filming done at the Larkin Sunset Gardens in Sandy, Utah, which I have been to, and that's real weird to think about now. <laughs> And, of course, all of the school scenes were shot at West High School. So Utah can now famously say that we had, you know, we have two famous high schools. We have East High for High School Musical and West High for Hereditary. <laughs> <laughs> two very similar movies. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Oh, and, of course, uh, the house itself, the interior of the house, it was not a real home. I'm going to shock a lot of people right now. But it was actually built entirely on a soundstage, so they could remove walls, remove ceilings, and get whatever shot Ari wanted. So that was done uh, in Park City. I forget the name of the, the the studio, but you can Google it if you really want to find the studio where they filmed Hereditary. Go Google it and leave me alone. <laughs> Great advice from Luke Howder. <laughs> in terms of notes, uh, or in terms of like trivia, I guess I should say. I, there's a lot you could say about this movie. Uh, there's some spectacular practical effects from the chalkboard that writes on itself, which was actually done practically using magnets. That's not oh, digital. Oh. That's that's that was a practical effect, which Don't is crazy. Might. Yeah, they they embedded a magnet inside the piece of chalk, and then they had a magnet on the other side of the chalkboard, and they they drew it out like that. Uh, Sounds like super simple, like, I don't know. It's like a magic trick where you learn the how they do it, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. But, like, <laughs> while you're watching, you're like, whoa, that's whoa. practical. Yeah. That's, like, it's super way too old simple. school. They could have done that in, like, the 20s yeah. made movies. Hitchcock could have yeah. done that. They probably um, did, you know? Oh, yeah. And, like, you can tell watching this movie, so much of it is practical. There's very little that comes across as being digital, and it's really to the movie's benefit. I could say that Astor said in an interview, and I thought this was funny, that... Alex Wolf was very in character, very serious about the role. And at one point, Ari Aster was going to say something about a famous Scottish play that Shakespeare wrote. And Alex Wolf told him, you can't say that name out loud because he came from a theater background where that's a superstition. And Aster admitted in an interview that he was really smug and really like arrogant and was like, oh yeah, said the name. And then as soon as they started shooting the scene, a light exploded. Wow. So uh, if you're a theater person out there who knows that superstition, apparently that transfers to film. You don't mess around with the Scottish play. Of course, there's a there's a pretty famous scene in this movie involving a telephone pole. What yeah. you guys yep, yep. may not know is that in 2004, this actually happened. Oh. Yes. John Kemper Hutcherson accidentally decapitated his friend Frankie Brom on a telephone pole after Frankie leaned out leaned out of the vehicle to vomit because he was drunk. Hutcherson then was so shocked that he drove home with the headless corpse in his car and he fell asleep in the car until a passerby saw the body and notified the authorities. 
So that's like one section of the movie that is a little unbelievable in some aspects, and that's like straight up real, which is insane. Wow. wow. So Ari got it from the actual story, or is it kind of a... So that's actually unconfirmed. He's never said one way or the other if he was aware of it or not. There's a lot of stuff online where people are like, this is too similar to be a coincidence, but he's never said whether or not he, or at least not that I could find. Maybe he said it somewhere, but... Google it, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind, the research I do is like reading stuff on the internet, listening to interviews with cast and the director. I, I obviously don't have 100% of the facts, but as far as I know, there has not been a direct link drawn between the two. It's just been noted that the scene that takes place in the movie is similar to a real-life incident. Spooky. Crazy. Well, that's some, yeah, that's some... Oh, and I forgot. I forgot. I did movie. forget to mention this movie was made on a budget of ten million. Pretty small for 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 a movie, not yeah. small for like a person. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this stands out as being one of the most successful A twenty four films of all time, because I think worldwide in the end it made in the vicinity of like ninety million dollars. Wow. So that's wow. a profit. Quite a bit. Uh, you know, in terms of like how well i you know in terms of how well this movie did maybe it's subjective hard to say whether or not this studio would work with ari aster again after you know like after really taking a chance on that budget you know yeah you, you never know i mean after after getting a return like that it's it's pretty hard to to come back to the plate and be like okay do we really want to deal with this guy again <laughs> i don't know I mean, it is it is funny, though, because you look at, like, the critical reception and the box office, and you're like, well, this was an unden undeniable hit. But in terms of audience reception, this is a hugely divisive movie. I mean, I think if you look most places, like, I think Metacritic, it has, like, a D- minus in the audience rating. <laughs> oh, in the audience rating, yeah. Well. Goodness. Uh, and I haven't looked on, like, Rotten Tomatoes or something, but this is apparently a pretty divisive movie. I, I, I guess I understand why, but there's also a part of me that doesn't understand it all. Yeah. I guess it's hard to be objective about that because it is a movie that really, I mean... I guess this is the best praise I could give the movie, but at the same time, might also explain it is that it it feels very personal and feels very shocking. And I feel like your average moviegoer who is just going to see a scary movie with their friends would be leaving the theater in kind of a rough shape. Like I don't know, it 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 has that way of of being super real, super crazy. And so I think that I mean audiences who just didn't know what they were going to get, who weren't expecting the movie they got. Yeah, so. I mean, I was prepared beforehand. I think I don't really remember, but that it was it was going to be a rough time. But if you're just going, you're like, oh, new horror movie, let's go check it out. No, no, I think it, I think it's a little slower too than like what sure. modern horror kind audiences might burn. be used to. Not 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 to be judgmental. You like what you like, but you know, it's 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 not something for it's not something for people who need that pace kept. You really have to be able to endure like the slow burn, uncomfortable on the edge of your seat type thing. Interesting thing, when I went and saw this in theaters, I went with some friends, and like probably the last twenty minutes or so, they were laughing the whole time. Oh my! So it wasn't it wasn't that they were like profoundly disturbed by it, or that it wasn't like they just found it funny. Like they didn't think it was scary or whatever. So there is that demographic of people that could have given it like a low rating on Metacritic and. Rotten Tomatoes just because they thought it was a bad movie, but I, you know, I don't know how many that would be because right. and it's weird. I don't know. The weird part is like, it's not entirely incorrect to laugh at sections of this movie because Ari Aster is he definitely has like this really dark sense of humor, and I think there are moments in the movie that are actually kind of like darkly funny. Like I said this to Lanson, but like. Obviously, we're getting heavy into spoilers now, folks. That's funny. But, like, yeah. the scene where Peter, like, smashes his head on his desk is so intense and so disturbing. But then it cuts to, like, the class looking at him like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. And that's, like, a weird, like, a darkly funny moment of just, like, I'm just seeing normal people being like, uh, are you okay, dude? Like, <laughs> so, I don't, I, I don't know. I think there's stuff in this movie that's funny. So, them laughing at certain things, not unwarranted. I mean, like, when he's sitting out, like, eating lunch, and Ann Dowd is, like, across the street. Peter! Peter! Peter I expel you! Yeah. 
That Oregano. They were laughing at like literally the last the last like five minutes of the movie that takes place in the house where yeah. like the okay, mom's on the ceiling get, and like right. she like just kind of goes out the door and like you can see her in the background. They just, they were laughing at that. I don't know why, you know. Yeah. Some people find certain things <laughs> yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. people decapitating themselves, but yeah, I don't know. Whatever floats your boat, I Hilarious. Guess. <laughs> so funny. Some good times. And also, Very I good. guess in this conversation, it is a slow burn, and, and I like, I mean, that doesn't turn me off, but at the same time, this isn't at all a movie I would just pop in because I just oh. want a fun movie with the friends, yeah, right? Oh. It's one you've got to prepare yourself for, you got to put it in, you got to be in it, then after it's done, you're thinking about it, you can't just be like, ooh, scary movie for this Halloween party, what are we going to watch, you know? Hereditary. I mean, you could, but... <laughs> fun for the whole family. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a slow burn, and even if you appreciate that, it's not ever going to be that kind of movie you know yeah. and that's yeah. just if if you're if if you're only into the kind of movie that's super fun that's super interesting then i get i get that side of it as well so and also i mean we kind of didn't if, if you've never seen the movie and you're just listening to it to have fun which is fine because i guess we haven't really talked about really what the premise of the movie is it's a family they went through some um tragic i guess the mom's mom died, I guess. Yeah, the grandmother. We've already spoiled it, so I guess I don't have to be too tutorial. But yeah, it's it's a family who's already going through some tragedy, some supernatural stuff happens. More tragedy ensues in a super shocking and unexpected death from the daughter. And then at the end there's a evil demon cult and an evil demon and in the end, I guess evil prevails. So that's a quick summary of the movie. If you've never seen it, you don't care about spoilers. There's the gist of it. But what we're going to do now is is talk about kind of rating the movie on what we thought about it overall, like the quality level, how we enjoyed it personally in a subjective way. And then we're going to talk about in, in terms of spoopiness. And of course, because this is a scary movie podcast, it's going to be out of 13 because why the fetch not so general opinions like what <laughs> what do we think boys final boys i think this movie's just a barrel of laughs and a half like it's just a <laughs> rip roaring good time like it's just yeah. so much fun <laughs> no it's horrific no. it's horrific i don't know what to tell you it's no medea's halloween uh, not quite it's almost there though it's almost there <laughs> halloween halloween oh goodness it's just we were just talking about like on the in terms of scariness we i don't think we've rated a movie higher than like an eight we haven't seen like actual really actual scary movies i mean yeah i mean yeah, well we have but like <laughs> like uh but this this is the first movie where uh, yeah like it's i mean it's got to be over eight right because it's a oh, creepy yeah. movie yeah oh yeah yeah oh, well no. let's start with that luke what's uh what's your spoopiness rating I you know what I would put it in the I I will give it a solid like eleven point five not the most terrified I've ever been watching a movie but right. it is re it really gets up there and it's exactly like my type of scary too where it's like just the uncomfortableness of like something's about to pop off and I don't want to like I. I I have to force myself to look at the screen when it does pop off. And yeah, that's awful. you don't want to don't want to watch it, which is but not in the in the bad. Yeah, I know what you did last summer three kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thirteen feels like thirteen out of thirteen. <laughs> thirteen feels like it's it's like up on a pedestal at this point because no other movie has come this it. close to thirteen. You know, like once you make a movie thirteen, it's like that's got to be the scariest movie you've ever seen. So now it's like so hard to to like. But that, you know, but it's pretty scary. <laughs> it is. It is a very. I find it to be a very terrifying film. All right, Josh. Spoopiness. Where so are you going? it's a very different kind of scary because you have yeah. like kind of haunted housey type scary where the whole time sure. you're just kind of sitting on pins and needles waiting for something to jump out at you, and it's really not that kind of movie. Like stuff jumps out a little bit, but it's it's more like sort of an existential dread. Like, yeah. like you get just this feeling of dread for this family. I think it's achieved because they make you care about these characters and they're so well realized that you care about what happens to them. You don't want anything bad to happen. And so I think in that way, you're, you're scared. You're, you're, um, it really just puts you on edge and gives you this, this feeling of dread. But as far as like rating, I'm kind of with Luke, I'd probably go maybe 11 
Okay. Just because when you leave the theater, you're just so disturbed. And, like, some things in the movie are just burned into your mind probably forever, really. Like, yeah. <laughs> it might take some therapy to get it out <laughs> of your head. Or, I mean, so if a movie can do that, even if it doesn't make you jump out of your seat or anything like that, um, that's that's got to be hard to do because most horror movies are just really loud noises accompanying by scary images that yeah. kind of pop up once every... I don't know, a few minutes, depending on what movie it is. And this movie doesn't rely on that. It knows it's so scary that it's it's just going to achieve that without having all of the extra, you know, jump scares and whatnot. Um, and, and I think I find interested in instead of leaning on jump scares, it kind of just lets things walk into the frame or appear without really drawing attention to it. So, yeah. like, you're looking around the frame, you're like, oh, my goodness, there's a person there. How long has that guy been there? Yeah. And so, yeah, 11 for sure. It's 11. it's really disturbing. That's solid. What about you, Lanson? Yeah, so for me, uh, I mean, both these guys made, you know, brought up a, a bit of what, what uh, I would give akin to, to some of the reasons why I think it's spooky. But I, I myself would give, I give this, I'll give it a 10. For me, the praise that I have to give Ferrari Aster is very much when it is personal and when it is focused on, a family tragedy it really you know hits home whereas like in some horror movies you have a supernatural aspect where like okay well that could never happen to me but like yeah. some of this stuff it's like oh shoot i could most definitely have the ones that i love like pass away and that could be a thing so there's a level of that that very much is plays into the horror for me as well as there's not a moment in this movie where i felt like comfortable even watching it the second time i was just like all right, let's uh, know what's going to happen, but this is still still pretty disturbing. And so I guess the reason why I would give it a 10 is that sometimes, especially towards the end, just because it is so disturbing, sometimes it takes me out of the actual movie where I'm just like thinking like, wow, like what what would I even do in that situation? Like how, so how would incredibly you... personal. Yeah, I know, exactly. Okay. And it's just kind of like, man, what? How how do you even react to that? And then, oh yeah, the movie's still going. So, for me, definitely, definitely disturbing, definitely scary. But at points, sometimes I'm brought out of out of that just by, you know, just having it be so disturbing that my mind kind of wanders. So sure. that would be the rating and the reason why I would give it. That's solid. I think. Uh, I mean, for me, I don't know. I'm kind of doing what Luke was doing, like trying to think of movies that were scarier, and I'm really drawing blanks. I'm like, I think because when you're a kid and you see a scary movie, it's like the scariest fetching thing you've ever seen, so it's hard to oh, like, yeah. but the movie itself, if I saw it now, I wouldn't ever put <laughs> higher in scariness than this movie, so I don't know if the experience was the most scared I've ever been because I'm an adult, and it's just never, I'm never going to be as scared as I was as a little kid at things because that's just how childhood <laughs> works. But I think as an adult, it making me unsettling is probably the scariest movie I've seen. I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll think about that more and get back to you guys if you're interested. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go now. I'm going to give it a 12 because I, I don't want to cap it. I feel like movies will come out, especially seeing that Ari Aster is still a director. And even though his last movie didn't wasn't my favorite thing, he's still got potential to outdo himself so i'll get i won't cap it because there's there's room to grow but honestly all everything that you guys said is the reason i mean the fact that it makes it personal and it makes it there's real world horror that just elevates the supernatural horror and vice versa i think they both just play on each other so well to leave an impact that's fairly unrivaled so i'm with you as far as just overall quality like I mean, we're a bunch of film buffs, so, like, as far as, like, the directing goes, not that, I don't know, or the acting, if, if things didn't work for us, or if things did work for us, how's the pacing, and then out of 13 again for that, just, like, quality of the film, how much we liked it. Luke's looking at the ceiling like he, he's thinking. Well, what a difficult question. I mean, I, I, it's hard not to be totally enamored with his directorial style. Sure. I mean, I, you know, it's just... It's so fluid, it's so calm, but it's also kind of cold and calculating, which is so good in horror. Um, goodness, I, I don't know. I think, yeah, out of 13, I mean, it's just got to be, it's it's a 12, I think, for me. Man, It's yeah. just, 
immaculately well done. It's exactly the type of style I think I like most in a director in that it's calm, it's patient, and it has confidence in what it's doing. The the movie as a whole just always has confidence in where it's going, how it's building. And that's, you know, that's something that can really, really get to you as an audience member, I think. I think some movies, you kind of catch on to the insecurity of, oh, but, you know, the audience will be able to tell that we weren't really good at this or that we weren't really good at that. I think I'll always know what you did last summer is such a good example of that, where their strongest feature was their practical effects, but they were so nervous about the practical effects not working that they did this weird editing around them. Yeah. So it's like the one part of the movie they should have had confidence in, they were they were just feeling insecure about it. And I think this movie understands what it's doing well and it moves Leans forward constantly. It. And it, yeah, yeah, it's very, and I, I think that confidence is very, very impactful for an audience member like me. So I, I, I just, you know, tip of the hat to Mr. Astor. This is confidently and competently written and directed. And it is a very good film that I think achieves exactly what it wanted to achieve. Dope. 12 out of 13. That's the highest rating you've given a movie on this podcast, Luke. It is. Yes. By far. It is. I don't see any movie we do anytime soon breaching that barrier. Honestly. (laughs) Again, you don't want to cap it off, but honestly, I don't know. Yeah. Well, fair. How about you, Josh? Oh, I mean, I agree mostly with what Luke says. It's a very competently and well-made movie. Not even just competently. This is like one of the dudes... Is it his first movie or one of his first movies? So he did two short films, but this is his first full-length movie. full-length film, and it's directed with, like, the poise and grace of somebody that's been directing movies their entire lives. Sure. Like, it's as good as, like, something that, like, say... Spielberg could do or something. Not yeah. that he does horror movies, but it's like he kind of that level of <laughs> you know, you, you watch the movie, you're like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just due it's due to the directing, the cinematography, the score Beautiful. really puts you the on score, edge. Yeah. Like it's kind of this constant even even when it's not actively playing music, there's almost sort of this constant, really low kind of bass sort of rumble mm-hmm. that kind of just really puts you on edge. I think the it 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 kind of goes um I think it kind of goes unnoticed for for some people, but I think that's a, real, a really underrated aspect of the movie. Sure. As well as the performances. I mean, everyone talks about Toni Collette, and she's incredible and totally should have gotten all the awards for that, and she got almost nothing for it. But, like, she's incredible, but so is Alex Wolf and Gabriel Byrne and Millie Shapiro and all these people. They, they just do so well at playing their character and 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 really giving they they really sell what's going on because it's kind of like something like that could be kind of hard to really buy into because a lot of pretty ridiculous stuff happens yeah but it's because of the the genuine terrified reactions of say alex wolf or like gabriel Byrne. you can tell it's like oh this isn't their first rodeo like he's had to deal with her and like her sleepwalking and all that stuff like you can tell just how kind of haggard and tired of everything he is yeah. and he does a great job selling that millie shapiro is really creepy and like she does a really good job of still appearing like kind of as a like she's not so creepy that she's um she seems like inhuman or anything like that she's still like a little girl but at the same time there's just something kind of off about her yeah um and then you have ann dowd who's really good i think as well as at playing this sort of like she, she, we know, we find out at the end it's really kind of all just a, I don't know, a farce. That it's not, she's not really who she says she is. She's not really being genuine with Annie. Uh, it was all just kind of to lure her in so she could do the ritual, so you know all that stuff could happen. But she does a great job selling that. So the acting, the directing, the score is all fantastic. I do have one kind of major gripe with the movie, but it's such a small portion of the movie. But it's the very last, like, minute where he gets up into the the treehouse and then you have... He he sees everything that's going on, like all the the naked old people are kneeling to the statue and whatnot. And he's just kind of standing there acting kind of weird and, you know, doing the whole tongue click thing. But, um... And you have Anne Dowd kind of comes up to him and sort of explains everything. Oh. It's like, you are Payman, one of the seven kings of hell. We've been watching the Northeast for your coming and whatnot. And to me, since up to that point, the movie did such a great job of visually explaining what was going on without a character coming up and being like, so this means this, and this means this, and and this is what's actually happening. The fact that they kind of had to spell everything out kind of at the end sort of 
it kind of cheapened the impact just a little bit. Kind of for that reason, it, it kind of stops it from being like this horror movie perfection for me, at least as far as the, that goes. I think that's something that he kind of got over with Midsummer, which I think the ending of that is like one of the best final <laughs> scenes I've seen in a movie, like final shots. Yeah, sort of a perfect ambiguity. Perfect ambiguity. But like this, this one, um, it kind of drops the rating a little bit. So I think as far as quality goes i'm gonna go the same with horror elements and go with 11 on that all right lanson what are your thoughts yeah i mean Dad. these two gentlemen over here are very articulately you know describe i almost want to say ditto yeah these guys got it <laughs> um but yeah i think for me something that really stood out is especially with horror when you go for pushing the envelope of being disturbing mm. i feel some filmmakers can be doing that in a sense but they kind of get sloppy with it, like Rob Zombie. Not a fan of the guy. But <laughs> calling out names. I'm going to call him out. I'm going to call that guy out. Anyway, but uh, just, I mean, going, trying to be disturbing, trying to be unsettling, but not being the most concise with it. Um, I think Ari Aster very much is very concise and is very deliberate with what he does. The setting, the score... The acting, the writing, I think all of that very much plays into having a direction, having a flow, and, you know, really sets up a lot of, it sets up everything, every element of the story. So, for me, that was something I was impressed with. I was also very impressed with, like, that the the house that they filmed, that I did not know that that was actually built for the film specifically. So that, I don't know, that just kind of adds another element of Ari being able to have a vision of what he wanted and where he wanted it filmed and what what the even just the architecture of the house and how that played into the story I think is very very elaborate and uh yeah. I appreciate that. So overall quality I would give this I give this one I give it an 11 just because I don't know for me I'm always like that 12 13 range I'm always like uh, I don't know I've always I'm like that's that's like, be, that's pretty close to yeah. perfection man so yeah, but for those reasons, I would give it an 11 for that reason, yeah. Just to add my thoughts again, ditto to everything, there's not a whole lot more to say as far as my opinion is concerned other than that. It's difficult for me to tackle the idea of things that didn't work, not things that didn't work for me, but the things that would have me not want to watch the movie again, and as far as quality, it's not like... I don't know, because we talked about how it was kind of more of a slow burn, and I feel like the first part of the movie um, would be one if I watched it again. Because um, it's been a sec since I've watched it, by the way. I didn't get a chance to watch it today, but I feel like I would kind of not be super engrossed in, um, just because it is kind of more slow. And again, I don't want to say that that's to the, the movie's detriment. It's it's the kind of movie it is, so it's it's hard for me to base my rating off of that. But at the same time, if we're just going straight subjective as far as like what I would want out of a movie, I, I feel like I, I'd want some more things. Like there's some supernatural things where she sees like the, the silhouette in the corner. If there was some more of that that kind of like teases the appetite I have for horror, I don't know, just super like not a gripe on the director because I don't think he should have done that, but just in my enjoyment of watching the movie, I feel like it was a little bit slow, but yeah, everything you guys said is totally valid. I'm going to probably give it an 11 as well as Lanson just to, because I, I don't know if you can get much better at the human story, at the personal story, at make, you know, combining real life horror with supernatural horror. So I'll give it an 11. Basically, the point of this podcast, I mean, I expected that we'd spend most of the time just gushing about this film because it is very good. And to what Josh said, a lot of t talking about surviving it is going to be a little interesting. But let's get into it and see what happens. I don't know. We start usually by talking about the antagonist of the movie. In the slasher movies, it's the killer. It's the deranged lunatic. Or in this case, it's going to be the cult and the, the demon thing and kind of how they're interacting with the family. We usually talk about... Their motives, their abilities, like um, to make it a little more 
with the slasher genre, the weapons they use, the decisions they make, and in this case, maybe the power, the influence they have, and how smart they were, if they could have been smarter, if some of the decisions they made could have been avoided. What do we think about this this cult? Did, did, did Was there room for error, or were they just on it? I don't know. Room for error, definitely. Did they make missteps? Yeah. Like I said, you can see... Uh, you you can see um, Joan putting the blackboard in the back of her car. So then her being like, this blackboard is the link to my grandson. Being like, you, you bought that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you with that. <laughs> I'd like, so um, I, I think there's room for error. I do also think that that scene we're talking about, which was a little comedic where she's, Peter, I evict you or whatever. Can anyone does else that, see that? Yeah, like, and also, does that only work if he can do? Because you're across the street. Like, right. <laughs> like right. if he was hanging out with his friends at lunchtime, would that have thrown the whole thing off? She's like, he has to look me in the eyes for this to work. No, stop, stop looking Peter, at that girl's Peter, boobs. Peter, stop. Yeah. Peter, 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 Peter. <laughs> Lanson and I the whole time watching this movie. Peter, hey Peter, it's <laughs> pretty good. Good job, guys. Good. That is good. Uh, so I, there, there's room for error. Here's one it's thing. Little, I, again, I it's been a while since I've seen the movie, so correct me if there is an explanation for this. But the cult is straight up, they lit a bonfire, and there's, like, people, like, right outside the house, and the little girl goes and, like, sees them. And then the mom's there, right? Do you I've, remember that? I Okay. They're just that, out in the open? That does happen in the movie, but I did there's not perceive. Lady. Yeah, one I, lady? Mm-hmm. I did not perceive that as being a thing that was happening in real life as much as that was a thing. You don't think they were actually there? Just yeah, in the I thought that was head. I thought that was just in the little girl's head. I think they were actually there. I mean, in my opinion, because I think throughout the movie, these members of the cult that you see through the at the end, they just come through the trees. And like stuff. they're they, well, they're kind of peppered throughout the film. Like, all right, well, oh, that's person, that person from there, which kind of shows that they're they have this sort of. They're always watching this family kind of from afar. Yeah. And there's that scene where, like, you see Peter, like, kind of exhale smoke out the window when he's, like, smoking that bong or whatever. And then you see, like, the steam from someone's breath, like, outside the window. Like, these what people the are watching, these like, this family the, the entire time. So I think every time you see somebody from the cult, I want to say that it's real. But that's just kind of my viewing of it. And that does bring credence to your point, though. Yeah. How was the mom not, like... Who's setting fires on our property? Like, yeah. exactly. who are these? Who are these losers? Like, exactly. When it comes, yeah. When it comes to margins for error, I think that is a big one. Where if if we're going along with the rabbit hole that Josh presented of it actually happening, which I actually agree with you, I think the cult is real. The people are substantial and tangible. Um, then if they're just right off screen, someone has to be like. Dude, what the fetch? You're outside this window, or you're yeah, you're setting fires to my fetching lawn. Like the, the cop at the friggin' scene of the accident for uh, Charlie's death, looking at their symbol carved into the pole. Like, he's like oh, this well, this warrants investigation. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of things where, where they're pulling the strings. Yes, but there's other people in this world, like you said, maybe a cop or somebody who's like, okay. Yeah. I don't know. The hero ends up being Officer Dewey, <laughs> finding the finding the symbol on the on the on the pole and going, "Hold up, this is from a cult." Let's go ask some questions. <laughs> oh, and their their grandma was the leader. Interesting. Yeah. No, and I mean another thing as well that I would like to bring up is in the box, uh, Annie's what's in the box? box? Yeah, like through her mom's stuff. If she had actually looked, it would have been like. Huh, this is a cult book and a bunch of pictures of all these cult members. And this explains their like motive and what they want to do and what they're about and who payment is, you know, so Oh yeah. And even when she gets to Joan's house, she sees the The rug. She sees yeah. the rug and she's like, That looks just like the one my mom made for me and then forgets about it until it's relevant. Yeah. And real like so yeah, if she had kept that in her mind like through the whole movie, she could have made that connection a little faster, but Luckily, she forgot until, you know. I she mean, to, to be the fair, there was other things she was focused on. Sure, I yeah. mean, sure. I should have she time to see all these little time. details uh, after losing two family members in the space of, like, what, a month or two months? <laughs> the passage of time isn't super clear in this movie. But. <laughs> and honestly, like, the amazing thing is, and the, ultimately, this is all a compliment to the film, that if we really sit and think we can find these like little gaps in the logic of the movie 
But ultimately, all four of us will watch this movie again and ignore everything we're saying right now. Yeah. So in the it's end, true. it's it's just a compliment to the movie that all of this stuff kind of exists, but we just don't care when we watch yep. the movie. And it's because it's what the podcast is that we're talking about. Sure. Yeah. Normally, this yeah. is sure. this is the most pass. yeah. This is the nitpicky podcast, so it's gonna get nitpicky. Yeah. But yeah, when you do talk about the, because I haven't thought about this till we're having this conversation now. There are rooms for error. There are things going on that could have been tightened up. They could have, I don't know, done other things. I guess they could have, or there, there could have not that they could have done better, but there, there could have been ways they were would be found out before they were found out. But I think just the way the movie explains, like Josh brought up that Fetch, she's going through this grief. The whole family's. It's not like they're really paying that much attention to the details. So yeah, it makes sense that they didn't find out, but. I guess what we're seeing is they could have they could have seen these things and been like, hmm. in the world of these characters, everything adds up and makes sense. But applying some of these to the real world and to us, there are moments in time where we're gonna where we're gonna stop things dead in its tracks because it's like, what what no stop. So you know like that's that's just sort of the trap we're gonna fall into a little bit here, and that's yeah. kind of transitioning a little bit unless someone wants to go back to the killer, but to the victims, like how they handled it, the decisions they made in the the spectrum of this cult and of this influence in their lives, could they have made different choices amidst the grief amidst all this that would have had them prevail in the end and it kind of goes to what we're saying but just from their perspective from where they're at their decisions do make sense to me and the grief that she's feeling it makes sense that she does the things that she does but if i myself was in this movie i would make drastically different decisions from everybody you're saying like elevated from the grief or like just you as luke right now if if you were in this movie yeah, gotcha. I, so, so I mean, put in, in each. I mean, it changes with which with which character, like whose shoes I'm in. It is true. But for instance, in terms of like, uh, if I was in Peter's shoes, uh, Charlie wouldn't come to the party. <laughs> and I get it because, like, when you're a teenager, you really want to. In some ways, you want to keep a low. You want to stay like low on your parents' radar. You don't want to. Yeah. You don't want to cause any problems. But me, as like 22 year old Luke. I would definitely, in that situation, if she's like, well, can you take your sister? I'd be like, no. Because <laughs> as a 22-year-old man, I understand that I'm allowed to set that boundary. And I'm allowed to say, uh, not this time. I would Like, in a different situation, sure, not this time. This kind of party that it is and what's going on. Well, yeah. and he does lie about what kind of party it is. Well, yeah, yeah. He, do he doesn't tell that to her, but just in his mind. Like, and he yeah. does have to borrow the car to get there. So, like, That's true. if he's not willing to play ball, they probably won't let him have the car. Yeah, and but at the same time, me as a 22-year-old man, I'm willing to, like, I'm willing to risk that. I'm willing yeah, to be, sure. like... I'm I'm willing to say, like, this is, this, this is a situation I do not want Charlie with me. Other situations, sure. But, uh... And again, this is just the thing of like each of the characters, what they do makes total sense to me in the context of the movie. But if I'm inserting myself into it, yeah. I would feel differently. So now if I'm Peter and I have to take my sister, okay, she needs a RepiPen. We're going to, we're going to a school barbecue. There's going to be food there. I can't account for everything. And apparently she's dumb and she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't keep track of that herself. Uh, which no, no offense to uh, no offense to that character because little kids are dumb, but clearly she's not keeping track of what's going into her mouth. Give me the epipen. So already like two decisions, which would have really changed the outcome. If I am in, if I am there, yes, I can make better decisions. But also the characters doing what they do makes perfect sense. What happened in the movie was what was supposed to happen to those characters. But if you were in this movie, let's say, the cult might have done different things to control your life like maybe things would happen anyways but in different ways you, you know what i'm saying in the context of who you are because this cult is obviously adapting to the situations of the family so even though maybe you wouldn't have had the run-in with the telephone pole um there would have been a different way that the cult would be able to to use you to i guess just in the context of who they are so we would avoid the happenings of the movie, but would be would you be able to actually avoid the end result of this cult? I don't know. No, and see, that's that's a good point. Uh, somebody else talk. 
<laughs> Good I'm, transition. <laughs> uh, no, it's just I've been yeah. I've been ranting. Somebody else talk. I mean, I, I I agree with everything you guys said. It's like no matter what this family does, they're screwed. The yeah. cult has their number. Like whatever choice they make, they have no control over what happens in their lives in this movie. There's no saying whether or not we could make better decisions because no matter what, it's gonna have the same outcome. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> Josh gave up right out the gate. He's like, ah. <laughs> oh, the world's over. Might as white well. flag. <laughs> oh, looks like the world's ending. Time to smoke some pot. Anyway. <laughs> Stare at this girl's butt as she sits. His butt. Okay, by the way, can I can I call something out? Yes. <laughs> After Absolutely. saying that, well, I would ahead. love to hear what it is. Go well, ahead. <laughs> so... Like, the first school scene, Peter's in school not paying attention because he's staring at the butt of the girl in front of him while she's sitting at her desk. I get, I, like, by the way, totally understand staring at a girl's butt. I really do. <laughs> Disclaimer for the audience. No one Luke is okay with that. Luke. Hey, what I will say is, why when she's sitting down? Because in terms of, like, <laughs> yeah. the, the shot we see from his perspective of yeah. her butt sitting in the chair, not an appealing butt in that moment. Yeah. I that that chair is that chair is doing her the opposite of a favor. Yeah, <laughs> he could just be into sitting butts. You yeah, know? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like this is a very subjective thing. Some people into squatting yeah, butts. Know. You know, it's it's true. It, the it's butt all, yeah. genre is so massive and. Oh, I'm so glad we're finally getting into this. Yeah. Uh, this is what this the, the podcast is really starting. There's so many nuances to the butt genre. <laughs> I I present this perspective. <laughs> He was sitting bored out of tears. A girl that he's attracted to is sitting in front of him. And he's like, hey, she's got a butt. Let me check that out. Anyway, back to class. That would be my perspective of why it looked. I think you're absolutely correct. It's so interesting because you're saying that, but you just handed me a note. Luke, don't what, project. What's going on, Josh? There's <laughs> a note for a reason. In your handwriting. <laughs> what the heck? Josh, Josh doesn't want it broadcasted. That he's, you know, he's I say certain things, but I don't mean. You know, he was so Just relieved kidding. that we could finally talk about the realm of girls sitting. Let's uh. <laughs> not let, give these listeners the wrong uh, idea of who I am. Shoot. I like girls standing too. Come on now. <laughs> we don't want to discriminate any of the standards hey, I, out there. I want to be totally clear. Girls, whether you're standing or sitting, either way, you're beautiful. Yeah, you there are. We go. Wow. All right. Well, I would like to bring something up. All right, ladies. Uh, back to the, to the storyline. <laughs> something that I found interesting as we were talking and as I watched it the second time. But yeah, I think, I guess this is kind of going back to the, the cult itself, but it is connected to the victims, you know, because that's their target. I think it's interesting. I, I wonder how much of the cult orchestrated things and how much they waited in the wings just knowing the family dynamic and knowing each individual person and the way that they would interact with one another and the way that certain, you know, knowing that they are vulnerable and losing their mother and, and the relationship that Annie had with the mother as well as Steve, the dad, and and the kids, you know. So anyway, I guess the point that I'm just trying to make is it's interesting to me that they definitely... In my mind, I think it's a mixture of them orchestrating things to be like, okay, we're going to put this chess piece here, but we're also going to see, like, what are you going to do and react? And, and we kind of have somewhat of a an idea of where you're going to go with this to lead you to our end goal. So I think that's definitely a strength, and I think that's something that I, I would just like to throw out there as I've, I've watched it a second time and as we've been talking about it. Uh, yeah, well, and there, there was a moment in the movie when Lance and I were watching this where we were... Oh no! It's it. Well, we can just call out the specific moment. Yeah. He's like ridden his bike home from school. I think it's right after he had a panic attack while smoking pot under the bleachers. But he rides his bike home, and then he like walks in, and his mom's like watching him from the car, and just like the resentment, like the seething hatred she has for him, like in that moment. I think Lanson brings up a fair point. Like maybe all you need to do is like, you know, it's almost like a science experiment. Like just toss in a couple chemicals and let things get unstable. I think. As we're kind of wrapping up a little bit, um, when we talk about actually surviving, I'd love to hear any perspective of if there is a way, if we were dropped into it, we could evade the cult. Is there a loophole? Is there a way that we could make final girl status on this? You know, Join the cult. <laughs> oh, my oh, yeah, oh my god! Oh my god! She's blowing the roof off of that this one. That is the perspective oh, I wanted to hear. 
Josh is all about these these different perspectives to really call us back to ourselves. Because first he's like, maybe he likes sitting butts. And now he's like, just join the cult. And he's just, he shifted the paradigm this on us both times. This is the outside perspective yeah. we want out of a guest. This yeah. is great. This is why on a t-shirt, comes. sitting butts. Join the cult. <laughs> Team sitting butts. <laughs> Team sitting butts. So now you're willing to take the stance on sitting butts. <laughs> Interesting. But I like standing uh, butts too. I mean, all butts are beautiful, you know? That's not as good as a t- on a t-shirt though, Josh. That's true, you know. You gotta appeal to the general market. So yeah, Joel, I mean, that, honestly, <laughs> if you're like, you know, I'm into this whole payment stuff, sign me up, where's the waivers to sign... You might not get killed, you know? And they'll just find a different family to focus on. (laughs) I mean, final boy status, I think all of us could kind of get there because we're all pretty decent hosts for this payment guy. And for things, I'd hope so. uh, Yeah. So So the demon has to kill. Yeah, the demon has to kill everybody else to get to you. So, like, yeah, so just by nature of who we are, we can get final boy status pretty easy, I would say. But final girl status, that is way more difficult. So, yeah. Oh, is it, or is it? I didn't mean to jump the gun. Did no, I jump the gun? What I wanted to do is just ex- if you don't know what we're talking about as far as final boy, final girl status, your first time listening, we want to decide because I guess the cliche of slasher movies, there's the final girl who survives at the end, she skin of her teeth, and then there's the final boy who makes it up until the end, then tragically dies. I guess it's the cliche doesn't happen in every movie as we've definitely found out in this podcast. But in case yeah. you didn't know, what we were talking about final boy status. You're gonna, you're, you're dead. But final girl status is surviving the movie just to give a little legend to what we're talking about so uh, yeah so i would not be the first death in this movie so i would get final boy status but in final girl status i guess what it comes down to is you either join the cult or you sever all ties with your grandmother and like your family in general uh harder to say you know what i will i will go ahead and say i would not get final girl i would not survive this movie i would not get final girl status in this movie i think everything you guys brought up is totally totally there i think there's a layer of inevitability to everything yeah that that's my take i i yeah i'd get final boy status just out of because of who i am being a you'd decent... bring you'd bring the epi pen you wouldn't stick your head out you'll you'll make final boy status <laughs> yeah 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 other perspectives how about you guys you think I, you guys could survive no i don't <laughs> because no i'm so uh, I don't know. I'm so trusting of people. If somebody came up to me and was like, hey, man, like, try to be my friend and stuff and kind totally of, like, groom me into, you know, being a proper host for a king of hell, and I feel like you know I'd be going along this podcast is the first step. <laughs> this, us, us three. That's have exactly that what's happening to me right now. All these people are trying to get me to be the next king of hell. But, like, it's... <laughs> it, it, it's hard to say because, like I said, I'm so... I'm so trusting of people. So if like somebody came up to me and it was like said all this stuff and you know, I'd be going along with it and by the time they opened up the King of Hell can of worms, I'd be like, Okay, you know, cool. Let's be weird. <laughs> and by then it'd probably be too late. They would have had their hooks in me, all the yeah. cult members would be surrounding my house looking at me. At that point it's inevitable. And whatnot. So yeah, it I don't think I'd survive. I think, you know, it would uh it it'd get me for sure. I'm gonna shock the world. I'm gonna say yes. <gasps> oh my god. No. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> because the route I am gonna take comes at a price. <laughs> so, payment to be able to be reincarnated into the mortal world needs a healthy male host. Which I'm a male, but I'm gonna say this: I'm gonna find that box that Grandma hid away when I'm a little kid, like when I'm like probably like a preteen, like maybe eleven or twelve. I'm going to find it. I'm going to read the the book, read the, a little bit of that, and then I'm going to start. I'm just binge eating, man. I am just going to, like, run my body into the ground. I'm going to put high miles on it. I am brushing my teeth with a Snickers and rinsing it with a Mountain Dew. I am just larding it up. Giving myself juvenile doing, type 2 diabetes, doing, heart disease. Doing shots of Jack in the morning. Oh. Ruining that liver. I'm just... Doing I, all the drugs. Yeah, I'm just going for it, you know. So, by the time that Grandmama's, like, trying to groom me and look, telling her friends that I come out and I'm the sickly, like, shell of a person, they're like, you know what, maybe let's find somebody else. Let's leave her family alone. 
So I would survive that, but I would die <laughs> from having unhealthy habits. Of, of, of early onset child diabetes. <laughs> but I would rather die on my feet than live on my knees. Hey, oh, I appreciate that. Uh, what do you think, Adam? <laughs> uh, how do I follow up on Lanson's honestly... I I would die. I think honestly, we we've pretty pretty well dissected this movie. Most of us aren't gonna make it out alive, unfortunately. But um, neither yeah. will you, listener. Don't <laughs> think you will. You. Is there a perspective that you want to add? Is there another way out of this demon cult that we didn't touch on? Let us know. The cult's watching you. Is there another perspective we want to? Uh, Josh, did we say everything you wanted to say about butts? Uh, is there a new perspective you wanted to? You wanted if to. If you've tell got a new that? perspective on butts, write into the podcast. I, I do not want to be the one who has to sift through that. So <laughs> don't send any pictures unless you want to. I mean, that's just opening up yeah. a can of worms that the internet is going to take full advantage of. Uh, butt picks and <laughs> picks equal opportunities here. Oh no, Link uh, knows what he's asking. That's uh, Luke. That's, that's all. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, give, give the email. They can send that to you, Adam. <laughs> do it. Tell them. Uh, do it. Tell them right now. I want them to know. I, they have to I, know. Come on. Cool. Well, let's jump into the plugs. What plugs do we have going on in our lives, guys? You didn't even tell them the, tell them the email. You tell them the email. I don't know it off the top of my head. It's underqualifiedidiots at gmail.com. Please send a, It's for like the, the media company as a whole, but if you address yep. it to the host of Final Boy Status, we'll, 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 we'll get you. We'll know what talking about. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, pl- plugs. Okay. Well, with that, while you're thinking of that, if you have movie requests, if you have idea, like I don't know, we're we're very open to be accommodating to what you guys would like to see yeah. and would like to view. We so. want we want to make content that you guys want to see. So if you have movies you want us to cover, if you have things that you want us to do, if you want us to make a video of us brushing our teeth in the morning, we'll probably do it. So like brushing our teeth with Snickers for that on Patreon, yeah, yeah. Pay ten bucks a month, you oh, get to see boy. everyone brush their teeth in the morning. Yeah, we'll go ahead and put that on our OnlyFans. An extra ten, uh, an extra ten, brush your teeth before you go to bed. This show is now like airing. Yeah, and the reception has been warm and kind. Some people have reached out and been very nice about it. Uh, so we'd like to say that if you're listening to the show and you're enjoying it. Uh, share it with some friends, you know, drop reviews online. That'll help like rise us through the ranks as well. But yeah, we just, we, we want to grow this little community we're building of uh, final boys and final girls. So I would say just, uh, you know, share it with friends if you like it. I think we talked about teasing the next movie. Blair Witch. So next movie, it's going to be me, Luke, and our special guest, Sarah Tibbetts. Talking I, about the- you mean Lanson. It will be you and Lanson. Oh, I looked at Lanson and was like, Luke, fetching L names. Me, <laughs> okay, Adam, Adam, Lanson, and Sarah are going to be tackling the Blair Witch Project. I, I will be uh, camping that weekend. <laughs> camping in the good. woods. Yeah, I, I will be in camping making woods. a documentary. <laughs> yep, be experiencing idea. the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, <laughs> he'll be. He will know definitively if yeah. he can survive in real time. Yeah, there you go. I'll, I'll know. He's I'll a know field things. reporter. I uh, would also like to say real quick that you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Lou Cowater. That's L-U-K-E-H-A-U-E-T-E-R. I know our, our guest has a Twitter that he would pro- might like to plug. Sure. I mean, if you feel so inclined, follow guy. Joshy the Bone. That's J-O-S-H-Y the B-O-N-E. But yeah, follow <laughs> me on Twitter. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I tweet sometimes. Sure. You know, sometimes <laughs> they're funny. Sometimes they're angry. I don't know. I don't have a Twitter or really a place you can find me but listen to me on this show man yeah you just that's a, that's a good place to hear hear <laughs> what adam has to say <laughs> yeah i got uh i got this show so if you want to hear more of my voice keep listening please do any other Come plugs on. we want to drop i'm looking at luke because Could- he's usually <laughs> the only one <laughs> i mean yeah I, I you can find us all sorts of places i mean uh, you know, on on Instagram at underqualified idiocracy is where our stuff gets posted. Facebook.com slash underqualified idiots. Uh, there's a Facebook group for really close friends of the show, people who like that. If you really want to seek that out, you can you can find that and join our group and chat with us about horror movies and all that different stuff. Like you know, we're we're not hard to find. Yeah. We're around. Thanks guys for listening. Hope you have. A great spooky season. Peace out. Lanson, Josh, Luke, Adam, out.
This has been an underqualified Idiocracy Media production, produced by Lanson Lappin, Adam Bone, and Luke Houter. You can find additional content and final boy status updates on the YouTube channel for Underqualified Idiocracy Media. Uncut and extended episodes are available at patreon.com slash lukehouter. Theme music was written by Rachel Robison. You can hear more of Rachel's music at rachelrobisonmusic.com. You can also find her work on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Robel Racheson. Temporary artwork provided by Luke Howder and Lewis Conrad. This podcast was recorded in underqualified studios and edited by Luke Howder with special thanks to Mike Fuchs for providing audio assistance. The illustrious voice acting providing the intro and outro to this episode is Shane Alvey of the Paradox Files voice acting. You can explore more of his work on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at The Paradox Files. Thank you for tuning in. And never say, I'll be right back.